Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name is Nicole Smythe, and I'm a marketing design specialist in the supply chain space here at SAP. So today's episode is a bit different than those in the past. We're going to be taking a trip down memory lane together to commemorate six months of the series and reminisce on the great guests that have been able to join and share their insights with us. So believe it or not, this is already our 24th episode. We've been able to touch on some really interesting topics, starting with 2023 predictions with David Vallejo, which, spoiler alert, many have already come into fruition only eight months into the year already, to celebrating International Women's Day with our own Mindy Davis and Paige Cox, talking about women's impact in the supply chain and technology space, to speaking with some of our incredible partners on the work that we're continuing to do together. So, as I mentioned, we kicked off the series with David Vallejo back in January to discuss some of the top supply chain trends that he predicted to see this year in 2023. Let's take a listen to some of his insights. And then the other aspect is that consumer have also changed. We're thinking a lot about just risk from a supply perspective. Will I be able to produce and transport but consumer demand has also changed. And so there is also a trend for companies to look at, you know, digital technologies to take data from today, influencing factors, consumer behavior that's happening today into their forecasting environment to forecast better the demand, not just look at the shipment history. What consumers have done two years ago, one year ago, maybe not how they will be demanding products in the future. Wow. I'm starting to think that David might actually be a psychic. <laughs> we also had the pleasure of having two primetime TV celebrities join us as well, Brian Halasinski and Kirk Heist, to talk about their product, the Turbo Trusser, which was presented on none other than Shark Tank. On this episode, they dove into the supply and demand realities of television exposure and their overall experience on the show. Let's listen in. But being out there, it was extremely stressful. It's not quite what you see on TV because you go in there and you're in the tank for, you know, could be 30 minutes or 30 minutes up to two hours, they told us, for bigger, larger companies. So you're in there and literally when you get out, it's like, a whirlwind. You can barely remember what happened. There's just a lot of questions, a lot of talking over each other. If you watched the first episode this season, it was live and it kind of would be like what you would expect when you really see what's going on without the audience. Cause there's no audience work when you're filming for the shark tank. Talk about stressful. I think I'll stay watching from my couch. <laughs> we had the chance to also speak with Justin Goldstone, a supply chain professor from Penn state university as well as avid TED Talker, and overall amazing guy. He touched on the next generation of technology in the field, from AI to blockchain to everything in between. I know I learned a lot. Let's see if you do too. If you use artificial intelligence, if you use demand sensing, now not only are you going to be able to have a positive impact on your bottom line, but you're also reducing waste because now you're actually reducing your forecast error. So now you're not writing off as much product, you know, due to obsolescence and expiration. And so once you combine all these technologies, you take all these buzzwords and you combine it into one, 
then you have a positive impact from an environmental perspective and a societal perspective and a profit perspective. How awesome. I'm excited to see the progression and evolution that Justin touches on continue to come to life in the field. So moving into March, Sid and I had the chance to celebrate International Women's Day with Mindy Davis and Paige Cox, talking about women's impact in the field and career opportunities as they move up the corporate ladder, as they say. So let's listen in on some inspiring words from Mindy from that episode. I'm encouraged from International Women's Day this year is to see young talent inspired by how innovation and technology can really enhance your end-to-end supply chain, manufacturing operations, but really taking this to the next level and inspiring women all over the world and young girls to take this path of innovation in technology as it relates to supply chain. After that, we had the opportunity to discuss some incredible topics with our top leaders, like the power of constant design loop in the full end-to-end life cycle with Gareth Webb, to visibility's importance with Dominic Metzger and Till Dangle. Let's hear some of their insights. That's using where we're going next with some of the solutions that we've developed because we recognize that the life cycle doesn't just stop when the thing's shipped to an end customer anymore. Products do communicate. They do tell you when they need to be serviced or need to be cleaned. And what we have seen in this world of connected products is explosion in offerings from the original equipment manufacturer to the consumer. They need to now have a direct customer relationship. It's no longer a kind of B2B type distribution. It's very much a B2C, a business to consumer market. And in a PLM context, when we talk about this, we talk actually about when a product no longer becomes just a virtual asset, where it becomes a physical asset. And that really then is, starts to get into the world of service lifecycle management and asset management. And from a PLM point of view, that means we've got to control the configurations of products that were shipped. So again, that never increasing level of complexity management and control that needs to be exerted. And that whole return loop from operational life back into design is key. My opinion is we will see that the paradigm of supplier-vendor relationship has been absolutely disrupted and we will see that significantly change. We will see that collaboration in your ecosystem, visibility across the tiers of supply chain is what's going to determine the next stage of efficiency. And I also believe that companies right now can define an intelligent path to achieve risk resilience. If you would have asked me this question maybe two years ago before the pandemic, I would have said the main challenges is efficiency, right? Driving the last penny out of the supply chain and business as much as possible. But I think the pandemic changed the thinking quite a bit. Since we had all this volatility and risk and a lot of supply chains suddenly not working anymore, the entire topic of resilience, which I think is, you know, to some extent a very overused word, but that's exactly what it is, is a big topic of most of our supply chain executives that we talk about. So how can I be more flexible, more agile? How can I assess the risk? How can I have more visibility into my supply chain? So I think that's one of the key drivers at the moment. Incredible insights from Gareth, Dominic, and Till, and great advice for companies looking to start their digital supply chain transformation journey. Another guest that is very near and dear to me, and someone who I always take advice from, is my own mom, Eileen Smythe, 
who was able to join for our joint mother-daughter episode in celebration of Mother's Day. Diving into both professional and personal topics, she talks about advice she'd give her younger self, me as I start my career, and new mothers navigating a new journey in their life. Let's take a listen. So the advice that I would give new mothers, you know, trying to navigate their careers, first and foremost, do not be too hard on yourself. You know, I think as females, we try to do it all, right? We're caregivers, we're nurturers, that's our makeup, right? So we want to be everything to everyone. And physically and mentally, we can't. There's always that balance that needs to be struck. And in trying to do that, my words of wisdom or any advice that I would give any new mother who's is aspiring in their career is don't be too hard on yourself. You just make sure that you're doing the best you can within that situation that you're in. That will always be such a special memory for me, and I'm really glad I always get to go back and listen to that. Another incredible guest we had the pleasure of having is Lindsay Spurgeon, who came to discuss the Oxford Economics Report giving us insights and data on what's top of mind for supply chain executives around the world. You might be surprised on some of the data that she mentions throughout. Let's take a listen. Yeah, so the challenges, what's keeping them up at night? So the first thing that came out really strongly is that real-time responsiveness so what are they facing in terms of speed to market? And it's quite closely followed by cost of materials and resources, a lack of connected technologies and a lack of visibility. So the research focused on two key business risks that have emerged as threats to the supply chain. So firstly, meeting customer demands for speed of interactions that ongoing customer demand, and then the lack of collaboration and visibility. So it's not just with vendors and suppliers further down the value chain, but also within the organization itself. So kind of those two top challenges came out really strongly. I've got to say that it wasn't a surprise that the supply chain execs are talking about visibility. You know, we've been talking about it from an SAP perspective for many years. And 52% of executives say that improving visibility in the supply chain would protect them from risk. This is really building their resilience. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just visibility in-house. So supply chain with R&D talking to manufacturing and the planning, collaborating with the logistics departments. Although I've got to say that's a really good place to start. But it's it's outside the organization. You know, only 55% have a good partnership with their tier one vendors And it gets worse. When we get to tier two, it's 32%. And at tier three, it's 25%. And all of these vendors and these partnerships are critical to the supply chain. You want to know where your suppliers are sourcing their materials. You want to have a really good partnership with them because all of this impacts your supply chain, your customer satisfaction, and ultimately your brand in the market. How interesting. I always love hearing more and more about that report. Another great thing about the podcast is the chance to hear from our partners, like Tushar Bala from CloudPaths and Michelle Rajier from Accenture, discussing their involvement in driving digital transformations and sustainability initiatives, providing some incredible real-life examples like these. Yeah, Blue Diamond has been an interesting journey so far. They have actually accomplished planning to execution to warehouse management and transportation, all different areas, right? And they have tackled it with an approach where they just don't want to 
give the importance to a shorter term scenario or more execution level, but also bring in visibility into a longer term in the supply chain, right? Because in their type of business, which is in agricultural, harvests are happening on a yearly basis, right? So they need to go out in the longer term and address the situations that are going to happen in the future. So one of the things that they've been working very effectively on the defining the importance of the warehouse capacity, the transportation capacity, and other things into their planning process, which in a lot of cases, companies don't look at those as kind of the constraints into their planning scenarios, as well as developing an importance across the board of capabilities of scenario planning and looking ahead in the supply chain planning five years, seven years out. The future of supply chain will be to establish what I call the supply chain nerve center. And by that, I mean something that can embrace automation, sustainability driver, manage the complex balancing act, bringing the right automation with the right human control in order to take the good decision for the good of the company and the planet. I could listen to their stories all day. Another guest story who I admire is Brian Aways, co-founder of the venture capitalist Refashion Ventures, who discusses his personal decision to not only get into supply chain, but funding the supply chains of tomorrow. The personal side of it is that I grew up, I come from Ghana, I grew up in Nigeria. And as a teenager in secondary school, I lived with my grandfather in the village. And when I say the village, you know, there's no running water, there's no electricity. My grandpa and a lot of my relatives are subsistence farmers, right? When the World Bank talks of people who live beneath the poverty line, that's my relatives. And so every night when we got back from the farm, when I was home from school on vacation, it was my job to get on my grandfather's bike, ride around the village and see if I could find one of the people who sold their medicines. Because I had to get him three pills, white pills, pretty big white pills. And he needed to take them. He had a really acute case of a rheumatoid arthritis. And if I didn't get those pills for him, he wouldn't be able to go to sleep. And, you know, 2019, I'm working on this fund, you know, we're putting together our thesis. And I read an article from Roche about their supply chains in Nigeria. And they said their supply chains in Nigeria are so broken that by the time any of their products gets to the end customer, the markup due to the inefficiencies in their supply chains at the low end is 40%, at the high end is 700%. And so I said, wait a minute. So my relatives in the village living below the poverty line, buying these things that they absolutely need, could be paying up to 700%. And then I talked to a friend in Nigeria and he said, yeah, 700% is probably too low anyway, Brian. You know this. And so to me, what that said is where I can have the greatest impact is to invest in people who are solving these. I can't solve the problems myself, but I can raise capital, invest in people, enable them to solve these problems, and hopefully make the world better by solving those problems. Incredible. That one is well worth the listen. You will not be disappointed. Speaking of startups, we had the chance to sit down with two amazing rising stars, as I'd like to say, who are part of our I.O. program, Shapeo and Soleil talking about their specialties of visibility tracking and product mining. And I can tell you right now, 
they're only getting started. We are actually launching a new innovation these days, which we call transportation process automation. And we believe that it's a logical next step of visibility. And this is actually the future. Making transportation process automation is about relying on high data quality, real-time and high data quality to make visibility actionable, to be able to take a decision uh, with accurate visibility. So this is what TPA, what we call TPA, Transportation Process Automation, is all about. It's about automating your decision-making process mm-hmm. thanks to accurate and high-fidelity data. And that's what we believe is the future of our category, at least. Visibility is going towards automation, workflow, collaboration, thanks to accurate visibility. Soleil was founded in 2013 with the idea of the four founding members actually to create a platform that allows companies with complex production processes and diverse product offerings to gain insights into all kinds of strategic questions. That approach actually led to many very impressive projects, however, was missing a very important part, a standardized product. And for two years now, I think it is that we have introduced product mining to the market. And this is an application built on our product mining platform with the clear goal to help companies to get in control of their product portfolio. So product mining by Soleil empowers companies to mine the diamonds hidden in their product portfolio or their value chain. And that allows our customers to constantly monitor and transform their business to more growth, more resilience, more innovation, more sustainability, and at the end of the day, get to a higher profitability. To round us out are some incredible SAP colleagues of mine, Renee Vallejo, talking about the power of logistics visibility within our business networks and supply chain. Lars Olson, diving into the unmatched power of visualization within our processes. And Sam Castro on how these exact visual technologies paired with AI is going to change how we continue to do business and evolve. First of all, what I would like to explain that the full extension of logistics visibility is not just to know where a shipment is. That is great. That is the first piece of information because once you plan for something and then something is not showing up, I mean, you need to know where that is. So that is a front line. But the real full extension of logistic visibility is how is this going to impact across everything that I do in my business? So it's very important to have the updates of logistic events at the fingertips of the people who works with commercial transactions, buyers for inbound, customer service representatives and sales representatives for customer for outbound supply chain and logistic inventory optimizers, et cetera, material planners for all the intercompany movements. That is the second line, is having that information directly into the commercial orders, visible and updated, so you know how is this going to impact the next steps. Delays in raw materials, how is this going to impact production orders or maintenance orders? How is this delayed in the production order going to impact a delivery to a customer? How is this going to impact another transportation into a distribution center? How is this going to, at the end, impact the experience of the end consumer? That is what is full logistics visibility. How do you understand the impact of one single event across the entire supply chain, across all the different elements? So imagine you have a vessel, a truck, a plane, 
a ship, whatever. So you need to load and unload those vessels in the way that makes most sense from a distribution perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take a truck, for example, and it's going to go through a route within a city, the first thing that is going to come off the truck at the location obviously needs to be the last thing loaded, right? So we use 3D visualizations that are the, what we call the bounding box of the pallet or the boxes or whatever. And we use 3D visualization to do load planning, which is like a sophisticated algorithm of Tetris to place the boxes and the pallets of information in the meaningful way from how it's going to be unloaded. And we actually build that up based off of the weight and so forth in the master data so that you're not crushing boxes. And it's like a 3D Tetris algorithm. And it basically optimizes the load and then it enables the truck driver to have a load plan. So when they're pulling into a particular location, they know exactly which boxes come off, which are the ones hopefully the closest to the back door or should be the one closest to the back door. And they unload those things first. And then they kind of mark that off their checklist digitally and say, okay, that load was unloaded at that particular location. And having a 3D view of that, again, gives the contextual information to the driver exactly what's going to be offloaded and delivered to the customer at any given point. Mm -hmm. So one of the ones that we've implemented today was around visual inspection. So being able to understand, is this material with these border variants the right specs? Does it fit the right conditions? Is the a label smeared, right? Or is there a bit of screw head missing or a, a screw head torn off and the actual body of the screw is embedded in the threading? There's different corrective actions for each and control, of not just identification, but also the control of how the corrective action is going to behave afterwards is a key part of the process. Frequency of occurrence means that there's opportunity for improvement. So that was a, one of the very first ones that we saw. And it was, again, very science project. You know, you, they show up as, can you identify an image? Yeah, of course. No problem. Okay. What do you do about it? Well, if you don't have the right context of the order or the process or the reworks steps and instructions around it, it becomes very disconnected, right? You can kick it out, but then what? You lose visibility to it almost immediately. So having the process around it was a key part of maturity for making it scale. Wow. After taking this trip down memory lane, it makes me really realize how fortunate we've been to have some incredible guests join and the future looks bright with all of our speakers leading the way. I want to thank you all for listening and taking this trip with me. I hope you all enjoyed reminiscing on the great conversations we've had so far and continue to listen in the future because we have some amazing things in store. So please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Richard, Sin, myself, and of course, all of our guests, thanks for discussing the future of supply chain.